Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about snakes! <laughs> I'm Alexa Rayhack. I'm a comedian and storyteller. I use she, her pronouns. My name is Micah Silvern. I'm a childcare provider and I use they, them pronouns. Today we are talking about 1996's The Craft. Oh, The uh, Craft. Such a good movie. One of my all-time favorites. Uh, it's been on my Halloween list for many a year. Uh, this movie really spoke to us about how scary teenage girlhood is and really how scary high school can be. And as a couple of uh, witchy kids, this really spoke to us. And yeah. and plus, like this movie meets our requisite uh, Catholic school criteria. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like comes up in this this show all the time and i don't know why is there a catholic school and is it a horror film because if so, then we will definitely watch absolutely. it absolutely highly recommend this movie it's one of my favorites it's it's great i mean i can't imagine you being the type of person who listens to a girlhood podcast and hasn't seen the craft but if you are that person run don't walk to to watch the craft before you listen to this podcast absolutely um we gotta we're gonna run over some trigger warnings we're trying to start doing this in the intro because we know not everybody reads those descriptions and this was a dicey one folks so sorry about it we talked about suicide uh there's some eating disorder talk in this there's uh, a sexual assault that we talk about briefly yeah just in general uh scariness of being a teenage girl and all of that fun stuff uh do you want to go over the plot real quick so people know what we're talking about oh yeah um the plot of this movie in case again you are that single person who hasn't seen it and you didn't take my very good advice um is about uh sarah bailey who is an exchange a transfer student uh to this la school um, she falls into a group, a pre-established group of uh, witches, um, and they use magic to sort of achieve their teenage whims to ill effect, as you would expect would happen with a movie about magic. And then until it sort of pitches to uh, the point of being a horror movie at the end with Furzabalk as the sort of antagonist... And um, Sarah Bailey sort of, like, trapped in her own, like, haunted house and brain. Again, run, don't walk, watch this movie. Yeah. It's fantastic. Follow us on Twitter. You can find us at Anthro267. Uh, also can find us there on Instagram. Email us at anthropologyofgirlhood at gmail.com. Leave a review. Tell your friends about us. All of that good stuff. We promise we'll be on Apple Podcasts one of these days, and you can leave a review there. Yeah. Uh, keep your eye out for the Patreon. Drop in soon. Uh, thanks, yeah, y'all. We're going to put a, put some little stuff up on that Patreon, a little Discord, some other things as they come along. It's going to be good. Enjoy. Yeah, this movie is, like, real bait for us because, like, Catholic school, that's, I mean... Number A with a bullet. That's always going to be on the list for us. I was a person who briefly went to a Catholic school. Any movie about Catholic school 
is just immediately where is on the it's on the list. <laughs> so Catholic school, French class features prominently in this movie. That's more <sighs> Alexa bait. I was just like, <laughs> I'm so fucking pretentious. I'm so glad that you put up with me because <laughs> I would not put up with. Honestly, same. I, I <laughs> don't think I could be friends with myself and. I'm glad someone's friends with me. <laughs> We're talking about 1996's The Craft. Uh, I think this was probably a big, like, important seminal movie for both of us. I mean, it came out in 96. I don't think either of us were watching R-rated movies in 1996. <laughs> no, we were not. But I definitely, I mean, this movie mostly had its mark, had its, like, market in dvd sales which i think is probably where you and i both saw it in the like early 2000s i actually came to this movie a lot later in life oh right you're a child well not even that i this movie is so up my alley and yet i completely missed it until my mid-20s huh like i don't know where it was hiding but it was like yeah, because this movie feels like it's got your name all over it. Uh, mental health problems, witchcraft, nature, really cute hot goth girls. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's got your fucking number. It really does. But yeah, I really... This movie has been on my Halloween watch list for years now. And Definitely. I... Every time I watch it, I catch something new and I find another level that I love of it. There's no Halloween though in this movie. No. Is there like it's it's witchy, but it's like, just witchy. It doesn't take place at Halloween, which no. I, I appreciate about a movie that is kind of ostensibly a horror film. It really is a horror film, and I at think... least at, certainly for the last third, it's a horror film. But like, it has horror feelings the whole time. It really does. Like the second you meet um, Feruza Balk, who plays uh, Nancy Downs. Immediately, you're like, oh, something here is off. I mean, like, any the first time you meet Feruza Balk, like, in any movie, you're like, okay, well, something strange has happened. But, yeah, it's it's definitely, like, you could, one could argue that this is, like, a horror movie with a big, long lead-up. I definitely think it is a horror movie, and it should count as a horror movie. And I think uh, that they the production team did a really good job of making high school a horror story and like really bringing that into from the perspective of totally i hadn't thought about it that way because like they really if you look at the culture of teen movies in the late 90s mid 90s all of the point of views that were coming out were like preppy rich kids totally and taking the chance and shifting the lens to like people on the fringe and people who have more to lose i think although still white people in los angeles who go to a catholic high school which is not free that's another thing i have a question about this like people know that catholic schools are private necessarily right which means they're fucking expensive and there's a character in this like i don't care that's fine rich kids have stories too i guess but like nancy is is like it's a big point how poor she is and they like live in a trailer 
and the trailer's falling apart and whatever their power gets shut off and stuff but like Bitch, send your kid to public school. How you know how many fucking thousands of dollars you could save sending your kid to fucking public school? Or reverse, if you're on scholarship, why are you fucking around so much? You right? Why are you, your scholarship not been revoked because you can't keep yeah. up with your grades because you're running off to the woods every other day? Yeah, no, just like be no. Anyway, I think they did a really interesting job of shifting it. And of course, they still didn't take that lens away of having wealthy and being white. Although they did with Rochelle, there is a a 90s dive into racism, if you will, if you can call it that. Yeah, it's ham fisted. I feel like we should. I want to run through some of the like production things about this movie real quick so that as we're talking about it, I don't feel like we're leaving anything out so this movie's directed by andrew fleming not an especially like he's workmanly he's had he's done other things but like not not an auteur director i think that's a, a theme that's gonna come up here generally i mean aside from like you know john waters and hairspray like i feel like there aren't a lot of like super famous directors interested in girlhood boyhood yeah. certainly like spielberg has things to say about boyhood But he has shit to say about girlhood. But anyway, that's a tangent. (laughs) The subtitle of the fucking podcast. And yeah, so the the director is also credited on the screenplay. From from the sound of it, like the the writer was like shopping. I say from the from the sound of it. We both we read this um, super helpful oral history of the craft it's called relax it's only magic it's on huffpo if you want to go read it do that um but it's got so many tiny little nuggets beautiful little nuggets about this movie so um yeah so it sounds like the writer was like shopping this movie around and then andrew fleming got his hands on it and he was like oh well i can make this better (laughs) i mean maybe Listeners, if you exist, read this article and you can tell us if it sounds like the director is an asshole. Because we both got that impression and three three is a set, you know? Like, two is a coincidence. <laughs> I just need a third sample. Yeah, uh, Fleming sounds like a real white dude uh, who's never yeah. really... He sounds like the people I don't want to hear stories from. Uh, totally. And yeah, it would be nice if more of these stories were told by women. I think this... <laughs> what a revolutionary concept, women telling their own stories. Oh my god, right? Um, I think this movie... I love this movie. I think it's wonderful. I think it has a lot to say and says it very well. I think it could have been better. I think that in someone else's hands who could totally. bring more of their worldview into it and have more nuance for some of this, this movie would have been revolutionary. Yeah. I'm struggling to think of a director who I would really like to see make I want, this. I want to see it. I need a better knowledge on indie film directors because I feel like that's where a lot of the stuff that I want to see is happening. And unfortunately indie film is not necessarily something that's as accessible as as it probably should be yeah so this movie um centers on centers on sarah bailey played by um robin tunney of 
Empire Records fame. Um, she transfers into this new Catholic school and meets this group of friends who are witches, uh, self-identified witches. Although we'll get, we have thoughts about the <laughs> capital T thoughts about the witchcraft in this movie. This gr- friend group is Nancy, Bonnie, and Rochelle, played by Feruza Balk, Nev Campbell, and Rachel True respectively yeah i i i I like this group of actors like um oh and then so we just sort of like variously get into witchcraft shit there's sort of like a rising level of magic and a rising level of tension until the end when we're like fully in a sort of satan themed horror movie yeah that basically sum it up like there's not much of a plot person like no it's events more... happen in this movie but it's definitely driven by emotion and the way that and reactivity and i think they did a really good job um i'm just gonna say they because i'm not gonna give andrew fleming all of the credit for this movie don't i think the production team and the actors did a really good job of portraying how big everything is when you're in high school and as and as a child how like emotions and reactions are always bigger totally, than they yeah. are as you're an adult because you're feeling them for the first time right you don't right have any you don't have those tools to right deal with stuff like that yet um yeah and i think on top of that mixed and mixing that with magic i think what is just perfect yeah and i i think i like the premise right of like talking about childhood and adolescence like i feel like this movie is explicitly about adolescence and whatever that entails being like an afab person but i like the idea of using magic as a metaphor to like talk about the way things feel big and monumental and and important in a way that like is hard to explain to adults or even to like anyone at all because you don't have again like the tools yeah i think like a lot of movies that we're gonna watch and a lot of people tend to make fun of the oh my god it's your first breakup of course you feel like you're gonna be over dramatic about it and of course they are it's their first breakup yeah it's got it's the first breakup has to feel that bad so that the following ones right and like when you're in high school especially because these girls are like 16 yeah about and like at that age like you're not you're far enough away from college and the freedom that like you the feeling of having no control of your life because you are still a child and people don't trust you to make your own decisions, but you have enough thought process and enough brain space to be like, know what you want and to know uh, where you want to go. Yeah. And I think as a kid, it's hard not to have sort of a, a magic power fantasy like this because explicitly because you are, like you said, so powerless in your, like, day-to-day life. But, yeah, everything feels so big and so important and, like, you can't do... You can't do anything about it. Yeah. 
it's being a kid is hard and we don't give enough credit to kids for what they're dealing with no it it sucks <laughs> would not do again yeah it's it's hard i yeah wouldn't wouldn't uh i wouldn't trade my achy knees and back uh for high school a hundred times out of a hundred no thank you this movie takes place in los angeles sarah is supposed to be from san San francisco originally uh this is a very west coast movie this explicitly like it doesn't feel like an la movie necessarily Um, because it rains all the time (laughs) yeah it rains a lot in this movie and we were both like that's not that can't be la it's rained twice in the same movie which is a span of weeks no fuck you absolutely not i don't believe it (laughs) nope definitely not la Uh, (laughs) i mean i think the the west coast versus east coast like thing will will make a difference when we talk about movies going forward like i feel like the this movie has a, a much more uh sort of la pacing than like the than hairspray for example which is set in a city which is set in baltimore right so that's a little more it feels like it has a little more like city pace yeah i really appreciate that this movie really captured the relationship that the west coast has with time and how unimportant it is really because like we don't know if this movie took place over weeks or months, and it could be either. Yeah, I was thinking about that as I said it. I was like, maybe it's months? We know it's at least one school year. Right. But, like, again, because it's L.A., there's it's not as if you see... Seasons. There's no seasons. There's no leaves. There's no snow. So it's not like we get some actual notation of the time i also think this movie definitely feels at least very west coast because there's like green space everywhere like i mean they go to the beach at one point so that's i mean that's um, always coasty but like yeah it feels like every time something stressful happens in a sort of like an urban environment our character our main characters escape to the wilderness somewhere they have this little patch of woods where they apparently just have like a, a couch and stuff plopped down and they go yeah they go to the beach like yeah like there's a lot of nature in this movie i really appreciate that they made nature a main focus of their magic and actually had them feel the safe space in nature so in general, we don't like run through the plots of these movies except where necessary. But um, I think we have to talk about Chris, about the love interest. Oh boy, yeah we do. So our main character, um, Sarah, meets this football player, Chris. They go on like a single date or something they go drink beers on a roof somewhere yeah they drink beers on the roof he invites her to watch her him play football at practice first yeah i was gonna i was gonna skip past the football practice thing because the movie does call it out as being stupid but fuck who would watch a football practice which coach would let you watch football practice my coaches for all my sports would kick people out who were watching yeah 
Like I don't understand. It is stupid. But also, it's not exciting to watch practice. Like it's not. It's not fun to just like watch players run up and down the field a hundred times till they hurl in the dirt. Like it's not exciting. If you want to show off to a girl, invite them to a game. That's where you right. show off. I'm not gonna go a hundred percent in practice because if I'm tired. This feels like we wanted to have her have him invite her to a game, but we didn't actually have the production budget <laughs> for like a full like stadium with a football game and so we are just gonna make a joke about how dumb it is to go to football practice and kind of call it the same thing yeah like this feels like this was a like budget budgetary cut like (laughs) in the first draft of this script it's definitely like a game it's because they spent all their money on goddamn candles Oh my god, the candle budget in this movie is insane. Like, I want to go through this movie with, like, a one of those little click counter things and just literally, like, count. There's got to be a thousand candles easily. easily. Like, there's the only thing that this movie has more of than candles is snakes. <laughs> oh my god, trigger warning for snakes in this movie. Look. I love danger noodles as much as the other other people. They're adorable. But when there's 50 of them in one spot, no thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think I read in that article that the the animal wrangler said at one point they had like 10,000 snakes. Oh, no thank you. Because like there's a scene at the end where like she's running around and like the windows in her house are full of snakes and like there's snakes on the floor and stuff like and they went all out for that. They didn't do practical. Right. I mean, it's it's 1996, so like doing an effect like that is way more expensive than just getting some guy to truck in 10,000 snakes. I want to know what that phone call was like. Oh, man. No, because here's what it was. Here's what it was. A producer called an animal wrangler and they were like <laughs> Sorry, I can't even get through my own bit. How many snakes do you have? How many snakes do you have? I mean, I have like... Can you double it? I have like 50, maybe 100 snakes I could round up. Okay, so I'm going to need like 10 times that. (laughs) You want like 1,000 snakes? I mean, ideally I want like 20,000 snakes, but I'll take what I can get. (laughs) Can you throw in some rats instead? What's your what's your centipede corral oh. look like? Because there's a lot of centipedes in this movie. Just bugs and creepy crawlies in general. Once something has more than eight legs, I can't deal with it. I'm Yeah, no, I, I'm very gentle and I try and I don't kill bugs generally, but fuck centipedes and millipedes. I'm sorry, you're disgusting and you're not meant to live. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules, but you're not meant to live. You've been around for billions of years, you have had your time. <laughs> But yeah, Chris and Sarah go. Oh my on god, this we were talking date. about Chris. Remember, subtitle of our podcast, Tangents. <laughs> so we're on this rooftop date, and it is the laziest date I have seen. Yeah, it's a nothing date. This is awful. Like, I mean, look, I've hung out on some roofs in my life. I I also was a teenager, but like, that's that's not a date. That's a hang at best. At best that's a hang Mm -hmm. that's not a date you've done nothing he 
tries to make out with her or something. He invites her back. He invites oh, right. her back he to in- her place. He invites her to, to his place and she turns him down. And then, of course... He gets so mad. I... It's... I want to punch every man in this movie. And... Yeah, men are men are the worst. I think we can I think we can say that objectively. I'm also just like over shitty men being a plot device. Like we can do better as creators, I feel like. Yeah. I Yeah, I didn't have a point. I thought I did. <laughs> it's all right. I agree with you. You're right. Uh yeah, I look, if you're going to have a shitty man be a plot device, rewrite it to be a lesbian and then at least have it be Something new. Something. Chris is the sleaziest scumbag. And oh yeah, because he he then at school the next day tells everyone that they had sex or something, and that she was like awful or yeah yeah, yeah it's it's pretty fucking gross. Like and it's not even in the same ballpark as the grossest shit that happens in this movie. No, it's not because like I'm. Here's the thing, like, I could deal with the shitty man, like, fine, shitty men exist, I've also been on a date with this dude, like... This dude was my type for a while. Ugh, I'm so sorry. I'm so glad I didn't date many dudes. But, like, I, I get that. Like, the shitty men exist. But, like, have... The right way to do this is then, like, have Sarah get over it. And, like, meet a hotter guy and meet a better guy who, like, actually respects her instead of doing this fucking stupid puppy dog shit where she's like, even though he's a fucking creep and he, like, basically ruined me for no reason, like, ruined my reputation for no reason, like, I still love him. Like, fuck you, bitch. Yeah, I... You do not love him. I don't think it's necessarily because she loves him i think it was more she wanted to humiliate him back um no because when they're doing the little ceremony when they're like what asking for what they want setting their intentions she's like i know it's stupid but i want him to i I want him to like me i just always assumed she wanted to like make fun of him no because she yeah she still wants him wants him to like her fucking pronouns are hard y'all i hate it yeah, it's gross. Like, don't... Whatever, men are creeps. But then, like, don't... Do something don't about it. Don't chase creeps. Yeah. Creeps are not worth your time. There's so many creeps, and there's so relatively few not creeps. Just, like, look for a not creep. Especially... You could do so much and this better. Is, this is easy to say as a person who dates women, right? Like Yes. <laughs> like... I'm just like, uh, I don't know... Meet someone who respects you. Apparently, that's hard when you date men. I don't. I don't understand. My attraction to men is a burden I will always bear, um, and it is. It's really hard to find uh, decent human beings, which is really scary. Yeah, it's but terrifying. Like, learning that lesson as a teenager and knowing that teenagers are gonna watch your movie, having her chase after him is just irresponsible at that point. Yeah, like, I think so too. Especially when you have a movie where you're trying to show off women's power and wi- like liberation of yourself and your sexuality. Yeah. Yeah, because right, like this movie explicitly, I mean, 
not explicitly, I guess, but like according to the director, this this is a movie about like female sexuality and about like girls coming into their sexual their sexuality. I think he says like their sexual power. No. And I don't like that at no. all. No. Uh... I also just like first thing, A number 1 with a bullet. Don't like the idea of male directors making movies about girl, like, adolescent girl sexuality. I don't nope. think that's... Not that I think it's creepy, because, like, of course it's creepy, but, like, I just don't think you have anything to say about it. Like, it doesn't... It's not... You have no stake in this game, and all you're doing is fetishizing what you think it should be about. Right, Exactly. And it feels like it only ever is, like, fantasizing and fetishizing, which sucks. Yeah. Someday we're going to get to one of these movies that's directed by a woman, and we're just going to, like... Gush about it the entire time. Gush about it the entire time and have nothing bad to say, and then we'll end the fucking podcast, because that movie doesn't exist. (laughs) Yeah, I can't think of any directed by women. (laughs) Shit. Y'all, we gotta do better. (laughs) I know, it's trouble. So... We're, uh, we're, while we're at football practice, the song comes on the soundtrack. We'll talk, well, I'll, we'll come back to the soundtrack. Uh, the song, How Soon Is Now, that is like, if, I mean, if you grew up in the 90s like I did, this song is witchcraft in a, in a song because it's also the theme song to Charmed, which I'm pretty sure I have seen every episode of question mark there's like 10 seasons of that show y'all it's irresponsible so someone should have stopped those folks i'm a bad witchy millennial i've never seen charmed i also you are younger yeah than me i am a mid 90s baby and i missed most of the 90s and a lot of my adolescence was in the early 2000s uh yeah so also the soundtrack just like is amazing Right? Like, we start with the Beatles, and then there's, like, some grunge, and then we get into, like, all this weird, like, uh, witchy music, and, uh, and then, yeah, it just gets, like, fucking bizarre at the end. There's, I mean, mostly, like, this, the, the, like, one of the most harrowing moments in this movie is set to like to a Portis head song, <laughs> and it's just so Ooh, unsettling and yeah, haunting. Yeah, yeah. the The soundtrack fucking kicks in this movie. I, I actually <laughs> was just listening to it at work just for fun. It was gonna be my background music tomorrow while I clean the house. Um, I really appreciate when there is such intentionality in music and movies and how big of a role it takes setting the tone because it does. And music is, a. have seen a lot of movies where music and sound are taken for granted and it is really, it takes you into the movie in a different way when you have this journey within the sound as well as totally um the movie because you also have the absent of sound like yeah yeah when the the sound cuts out at the end you're like oh no yeah because like the last scene 
there's no underplaying music. Yeah, I think that whole last, like, horror sequence, I mean, like, the whole sequence where she's, like, running around the house, I think there's no, I mean, I don't want to say there's no score, because I, I, I think there's a couple little, like, string stings mm-hmm. here and there, but, like, it's really sparse, and that's kind of the only moment in the movie where the sound is really sparse, and it's so unsettling. Yeah. This movie does a really good job. Like, I feel like if this movie, what's the word I'm looking for? I feel like if this movie showed its hand as a horror movie a little earlier and set up the horror stuff a little more effectively, I feel like this could be a really great horror movie. Yeah, I think that, I think that the way they unfolded the horror aspects of this movie could have been a little bit faster because I also think it would have softened some of the blows in the end and made them feel like they were chosen for a more specific purpose and not just doing them for the sake of doing them. Yeah. I am personally, like, I understand that we, for the story to work, we needed our four main characters to have problems that they needed to solve but a lot of it feels and i'm guessing this because it's coming from a man's perspective seems like trauma for trauma's sake and yeah that that's fair that's a fair assessment you can write about high school like high school is traumatizing no matter what you're like that experience is hard yeah and i think you could do it in a way where you don't have to pull out things like rape or murder or um, stuff like that or suicide. Yeah. I mean, we've said this before, I think, but like, I do want filmmakers to talk about this. Oh, absolutely. I don't not like that is not our intention is to tell people like, you shouldn't deal with tough subjects. You shouldn't deal with racism. You shouldn't deal with suicide. But, like, I think you just need to be aware of how difficult those things are when you're when you're using them and not just deploy them in your story like they're, right, like they're yeah. any other conflict for a character to get over. Like, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Using these subjects as a plot point and not putting intentionality into them is it's disrespectful it's disrespectful and irresponsible and and yeah irresponsible this movie has some moments that are really jarring and icky for me because it gives people steps to take and gives people ideas and is sometimes a how-to guide and Yeah, putting the, that out in the the way this movie talks about suicide is so irresponsible. Yeah, like I don't really want to get into specifics because I don't want to no commit the same sins. But like, if you, what I do want to say is like, you don't need to ever list reasons that someone should kill themselves. No, you never need to. Because as a person who struggles with suicidal ideation a lot, like, those reasons are always there. 
Yeah. Right? Like, people who struggle with this don't need that reason, and they don't need reinforcement that stuff like that is a reason to kill yourself, because it's not. No. Yeah. This whole... This movie's whole relationship with suicide is... Trouble. Trouble. And I also... I also think you could have had this plot line and have her dealing with suicidal and dealing with suicidal thoughts and uh, past history of suicide attempts in a way that wasn't as violent towards her body and towards. Well, like she obviously has some mental health issues because she talks about seeing hallucinations. Right. She's obviously unwell. Right. And I can empathize with, her i can empathize with her but i also think that the way that the way that men put suicide into women's bodies and how they like a lot of women's suicides on tv are very violent and bloody and which is also statistically not how women kill exactly like anyway Moving away from the subject because it's really hard. Um, yeah. There's uh, also racism in this movie. Do you want to talk about the racism? Yeah, this Since movie... we're just talking about hard shit right now, let's just get it all oh, out of our system. Say, yeah. Um... Because, like, okay, so the main conflict for Rochelle. Um, Rochelle, played by Rachel True, is that one of the girls in her... Uh, like gym class or diving Dive team. team, I think. Tell me you go to a rich school without telling me you go to a rich school. <laughs> oh, you have a diving team? So, yeah, she's, like, openly racist. She openly says, like, I don't like black people. And so uh, Rochelle, you know, hexes her as, like, everybody does. That's the central mover in this movie is that they've all, they all sort of a- accidentally cast spells to... To smite their enemies and in one case, like, make a man, make a shitty man fall in love with you. I have no problems with what happened with to Rochelle's curse. I think it is tenfold deserved and I, like... I, I don't know if I can get down with, like, deserving it exactly, but, but I do think that this makes a good point about how... When you're a kid, right, in the same way that all of your emotions are big, like, kids are also really fucking awful. And, like, there were definitely kids at my high school who were extremely racist in a way that was obviously just a search for identity, right? Like, it's like, I'm 16 and I don't really have a thing about me. Because everyone here wears boots and rides a truck, and those are the only <laughs> wears rides a truck. Oh God! <laughs> I mean, there's some out there who do. <laughs> so, like, those are my only other things. So, what if I also hate black people? You know, well, I, there are no black people where I'm from, but you know, non-white. Yeah, kids are vicious, and teenagers specifically are a new kind of mean. And though you're right, I shouldn't say people deserve this, and uh, but. I think that if it takes you having to wear a hideous wig and losing all of your hair to be nice to people, 
Yeah. You gotta be nice to people, y'all. Like, yeah. I can't believe this is such a revolutionary aspect of our culture and our life. Yeah. But... Like, empathy? Like, having... Anyway. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Do you want to take a break from tough subjects, or do you want to keep just barrel through them? Why? Do you have something, another hard thing on your list that you really want to get out? Oh, uh, I've got a lot of feelings about Bonnie and her her relationship to her body. Oh, yeah? Well, let's talk about it. Bonnie is... Oh, right. Bonnie is Nev Campbell, who has, like, burn scars um, that she magics away. Yeah, which, by the way, is an incredible piece of practical makeup work. Yeah, it's really good. It's so cool, and it was... I actually was thinking about it while we were watching it. Like, I, they must have, like, put, like glue over right like some sort of yeah. like thin like liquid like liquid latex over a thing that they could easily anyway i think it's, i think a lot about this shit i love a good i'm a sucker for practical effects yeah and it was so good so as someone who has struggled really hard with body dysmorphia I can relate to that, like, and as a trans person, right. hating your body that much resonated with every fiber of my being. And myself, like Bonnie, had a mom who thought they were helping and supporting uh, me through trying to find peace with that body. And, ha- like, even if it meant going through like a painful treatment that's experimental that you are it was even with the best intentions not talking to your child about other options or ways that uh you can start to love yourself or understand your body better um is is just not something that happened and i think it was very it was really hard for me to watch the scene of uh, where uh, Nancy is, like, cleansing her Bonnie scars or whatever, and Bonnie's just rocking there back and forth. Begging. Yeah. Like, because I've been there. I've yeah. definitely done that. And, uh, and it just sucks because I feel like if you asked the director, right, like, I feel like this movie agrees with you. Yeah. This movie agrees with you that Bonnie should learn to like love her body the way that it is but it doesn't really do a good job of telegraphing that no except through the sort of like general way that this movie telegraphs anything which is like the sort of monkey's paw of magic right right i actually i truly didn't because uh bonnie has like scars i really didn't think about this as being like a like a body dysmorphia allegory like i didn't for I some think... reason that didn't read to me i i wonder why these <laughs> fucking four skinny women right i also think the reason i read it as body dysmorphia mostly is cuz we don't really get an uh explanation for why bonnie has these scars which like you don't necessarily need to have but when like the way that she hates them as much as she does, it makes me feel like there is something more there. And I feel like could soften that body dysmorphia feel and soften those like 
really harsh moments um, instead of just shocking people into these moments. I mean, I think that's that points to a thing that happens in this movie generally where like the side characters don't really get their due at all. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, except for Nancy kind of because she's like ostensibly the villain. Like, I think like Nev Campbell's whole, like all of her solo scenes account for like five minutes in this movie. Yeah. And Rachel true, poor Rachel true. It, it is barely in this movie except when she's in a group scene with all the other girls yeah we have it's pretty it's pretty sad also i read in that fucking article i don't know if you read this that at first they didn't have her on the media tour no it was just the three white girls i don't like that at all who were on the press tour for this movie until she made a stink about it and then they sent all four isn't that fucking bullshit that is anyways more fucking hollywood racism goddamn are we done can we talk about i was gonna say do you want to talk about something fun yes can we talk about lirio and the bookstore yes please so a, a feature set in this movie is this like occult bookstore um run by this woman lirio who's played by uh assumpta cerna she's a spanish actress i just look she has this sort of i mean she's beautiful but yeah she looks like she could be from literally anywhere she's beautiful and also she does a really good job playing this kind of like aloof spiritual guide character that's like matronly without seeming motherly yeah I mean, she's a highlight every time they're in that bookstore. Uh, apparently, she's like a very famous uh, Spanish actress. I want this bookstore in my life. Uh, I have been trying to find a local witchy bookstore. And as because we live in Seattle, everything is pretentious as fuck. But yeah, we have a, we have a couple. But yeah, pretentious is the word. If you have any witchy shop recommendations in the Seattle area, let me know, please. Um, uh, but I did have a store like this. Like, I grew up in the era before Walmarts, where small towns still had thriving downtown areas with shops. Um, oh, I miss the days. <laughs> do, you, do you remember shops? Uh, I love shops. I will take a Main Street drag where I have to go in and out, in and out, in and out over a Walmart any fucking day. Yeah, totally. But, so one of those, there was a little shop um, in my hometown, in the little downtown. A little, mad, a, like a little occult bookstore. I don't think it was an occult bookstore, but, you know, it was like one of those. It was alternative bookstores. Like, uh, right, alternative bookstores, probably what it would have been called. Like It was called like the Oasis or something. And, that you know, it was like you could get every kind of incense and you know you could probably buy a bong there and every like the kama sutra along with every book about <laughs> magic you could possibly imagine this sounds i like bought my, my first place. i bought my first uh rider weight tarot deck there uh, classic i bought mine from earthbound because i'm a basic white <laughs> bitch i think the closest i came to the shop was the feminist bookstore that I there is in Madison room of one's own that like has everything and has an amazing queer section if you're in the Madison area I guess there's a couple head shops around State Street that like had that vibe 
and there was but like I just I also didn't hit my witchy phase until my 20s um yeah I had a hard witchy phase in my teens it surprises me because I connected to magical characters super hard as a kid and yet it took me since we're since we're on the topic we should just talk about the witchcraft in this movie yeah we should so this movie heavily features witchcraft kind of so uh they hired a consultant but notably they hired a wicca consultant not a, a paganism or witchcraft consultant now for the uninitiated wicca is a type of witchcraft i think you could say that but it's definitely a religion i don't have notes in front of me i didn't do research but it was written by a is a from a book written by a man who the director said he did a lot of reading from that yeah it was started by like scott Cunningham. yeah my magic history is not my best subject but but yeah so this movie like it really bristles against like sort of modern witchcraft like i feel like especially with the internet and stuff like these things have become a lot more accessible and a lot more common yeah um certainly i don't do not think that there were people like making altars in their bedrooms when i was you know buying my tarot deck in 2004 but like I, I, I just there's so much Wicca in this movie that makes it really uncomfortable. The God and like the the deity stuff. Yeah. Which, if you are a practicing witch now, feels like so bizarre. Yeah. For there to be a deity figure at all, but like the deity is is very prominent in Wicca. And I feel like they were really close to like. Because they had the connection to nature and, like, the ability to channel nature's powers and really had this outskirt. But because I think from the sound of this Huffington Post article and the way the director talked about it, it felt like a very, like, touristy form of magic. And it was very, like, ooh, I'm so alternative and special, and I'm also into hallucinogens, which, like, there's a lot of crossover, and there's this definitely venn diagram. Y'all, if you have a witch friend, that friend has eaten mushrooms. I'm not saying that... I'm not saying anything, but I am saying that there is a perfect... The Venn diagram between witches and people who've done mushrooms is a big circle inside with a smaller circle inside of it. <laughs> you also, in that Venn diagram, unfortunately have to include, like, spiritual people who find themselves witchy adjacent and kind of co-op and don't do the research of the practices they're pulling out of and... They tend to pull a lot of things that are culturally inappropriate for them. And yeah, totally. This movie feels very much like that. Like, yeah, it reads of the arrogance of a man who did some reading and now thinks he knows everything. Exactly. Yeah. Who feels like, well, I hired a consultant, so now everything is fine. Just because you light a bunch of candles and put an altar-like space up does not make you a witch yeah and we both said this immediately when we started watching this we were like there are not enough jars for this to be a movie about witchcraft in my experience 
Witchcraft is basically 75% collecting shit in little jars. As someone with a bunch of little jars in their room, I can attest to this. No, let me rephrase that. It's like 40% collecting shit in little jars and like another 40% scrubbing shit off (laughs) of those tiny jars for fucking hours just so you can collect some goddamn rainwater. Look, we gotta recycle. <laughs> it's I'm not gonna spend fifty dollars on new mason jars when I have perfectly good mason jars. No, but I am gonna reuse this tiny jar that Pesto came in. It's a cute jar. <laughs> Get off my back. <laughs> no, it's a good jar. The Pesto jar is one of the great jars. But yeah, I I also feel like the relationship that they show the girls having with magic is very unwitchy uh especially nancy this power for power's sake is not what witchcraft no and as you see these girls doing a bunch of reading they always have a bunch of books open they are obviously doing their research and they would have come across this much sooner yeah and it's like the first thing that people will tell you about magic is like well, okay, the first thing people tell you about magic is lower your expectations. Oh, yeah. The second thing <laughs> people will tell you about magic is, like, you can't hurt people with it. No. Because bad things will happen. Yeah. Like, it's not it's not for that. It shouldn't take your local bookshop owner telling you it's going to come back to you to find this out. You, it's in the first goddamn it should book be, you it, it's Yeah, it's in... Uh, trust me, as a person who's read a lot of these books, it's in the intro of every single fucking it one of really these books. It really is. Um, speaking of, like, cultural appropriation, to highlight a specific moment, and also just to point out, like, how... How badly and how flatly magic is presented in this. At one point when they're at um, the party, this is just before they play Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board. Mm-hmm. Nancy's reading a book about Kabbalah. I was going to say, I think I still have that book. I was going to say, I, I know it because it's a book that you own. And I was like, look, I don't want to I don't want to assume anything about Nancy. But bitch, you ain't Jewish. Kabbalah is not for you. Yeah. Like, it's not... Kabbalah's not one of those, like, super insular, closed practices, but that's because there's not a lot of fucking Jews left. Yeah, you know. Also, remember, folks, a lot of witchy stereotypes could be are there because... Because yeah, of Jews, Judaism. right. Yeah. Like... It's all anti-Semitism. It's, yeah, specifically to target Jews. Like, you know... Dark hair, curly nose, like hooked noses, like all that stuff. That's that's Jewish stuff. So be careful about your your witchcraft, y'all. It's, it's do your research. Like I cannot stress that enough. You can appreciate all of the different types of magic across the world, but do your goddamn research. And if you are not part of that cultural group, do not practice it. Yeah, it's it's just that easy. Like you can appreciate it, and you can find its beauty and wonder, wonder, but it's not yours. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that this movie could have used like if this movie, if if Lirio, the book owner in this movie, is like thirty percent like 
firmer and more serious, this movie just never happens. No. Right? Because they go to buy a bunch of books and she's like, no, no, absolutely not. You are not responsible. This is going to go badly for everyone. Also, bad shop owner. You know these girls steal from you and you still let them 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 in. in. Bitch, I was not allowed in shops I didn't steal from. (laughs) Just because I looked shady. Because I look like this. (laughs) I was gonna say, yeah, Alexa can attest to this. Stealing has never been my forte. I get way too fucking anxious. <laughs> I, oh, I can't do it. I think you, if you tried to steal a book from a bookstore, you would literally turn into a puddle. I can't do it. You, would, sp- you would just like sweat so much that you would turn into a little anxiety puddle. Also, I would never steal from a small shop like this. Right? Like, come on. Go steal from Barnes and Noble. Steal from fucking Walmart, dude. They can take it. This oh. is Lirio's livelihood we're talking about. And she's so good to you people. I know. Do you want to talk about some te- fun teenage shit for a second? Sure, yeah. What do you got? One scene that really confused me that I feel like some teenagers did, and I, being an anxious being, probably never did. I also, ha- my parents wanted to know who I was with always. But Same. You just go out with a bunch of friends after school without telling anyone you just run off and have adventures as a person with neglectful parents yes (laughs) see i had the opposite i was like who are you going with what time are you gonna be home with yeah i think this movie i mean don't you think this is maybe a thing that happens in a lot of adolescent movies is like for expediency sake we have to give children more freedom and autonomy than they have in real life because it would be tedious in a movie to show everyone calling their parents and setting a schedule and all that stuff yeah i i guess but it's it's i'm not saying that that has to be the case but it does seem to be as i'm running through the rolodex of like teen movies in my head stuff like that happens a lot yeah and we know these parents aren't supposed to be neglectful because there's like his first of all, Sarah's dad is incredible, and I love him. Yeah, Sarah's dad is amazing. He's like, like there for her, and then when she says she doesn't want him, he fucks off. Like he's perfect. To put that much trust in your child, who is obviously distraught, who is going through some trauma, and with Sarah's history, to be able to walk away and put that trust in your child is incredible. Huge. And. I think is a very underplayed scene. Yeah. Great dad. Great dad. We've had some good dads lately, and that makes me really happy. Um, ooh, I, I know you had feelings about uh, the the scene uh, where they're walking through downtown LA with all of the... Folk. Oh, yeah. Um, as someone who has worked in colorful neighborhoods like that, it's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, right. They're like walking through... It looks like probably downtown LA... Somewhere. Like, it's, you know, there's, like, lots of close shops and stuff. But, like, it's so, like, a temptation shot out of, like, film school. It really is. Like, like there may as well be, like, a pentagram painted on the street. There's, <laughs> like... Like, because there's a guy with, holding a snake who's following her, and there's a priest, like, shouting random stuff. Like, I hate that we use unhoused folks as... Like a prop 
for like prop for this is a bad neighborhood because that's shitty totally and a prop for like for just like scaring teens right like i'm not sure what the point of having all these houseless folks on this street is other than to just be like ooh, let's freak out the normies because people live here who don't live in houses isn't that terrifying it's like a like, ring no, there are human people who are going through some shit. Maybe we should fucking help them. Yeah, it's a real campy bullshit way of showing Sarah's like descent into uh, away from good, and it. Yeah, it just feels lazy. Like, like so much of the filmmaking in this movie, it just feels lazy. It really like it does. feels like you had a thought. And then you just went with the first thought and you didn't you didn't take a second pass. And it yeah. sucks. Yeah. It sucks because this movie could be so much more if somebody if just like if a woman wrote it, if a woman directed it. Ding 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 if, ding. Right. Ding. If a woman had a hand in it at any point, this could be a really, really great movie. This movie could have changed so many more lives. And it did. It did like I will keep repeating this. I love this movie. Like, I will watch. This is a really good go-to oh, yeah. movie well, for like, me. We both love this movie. I don't want anybody to get the impression that we do not watch this movie at fucking <laughs> Halloween every year. It's just like when we have to talk about it for the podcast. Like, I think that I like to think that I uh, have high standards for the things that I love. <laughs> yeah. And if we can't hold the things that we love accountable, exactly, and call out their flaws, then then what what good are we? There. Okay, so we were talking about the filmmaking, and just since we're doing that, there are a couple little a couple little things I wanted to talk yeah. about film wise, so we could just get it all out of the way. I'm kind of a sucker for like uh, a quick cut joke. I don't know why. But like there's a shot there's a shot in this movie where Nancy's stepdad dies mm-hmm. and he has a heart attack and he clutches his chest and he falls to the ground and then like as soon as he falls to the ground we like uh cut to the ambulance and then we immediately cut to putting flowers on the coffin and it's just like bang 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 and I don't know why it just i think it's so it's such a funny cut (laughs) like it's not meant to be funny it's meant to be i don't know dramatic dramatic but i just think it's like so hilarious it's like like a sketch show where like a guy dies and gets immediately dropped into a coffin yeah it's just i don't know it gets me um, and there's also when they're shooting on the beach. Oh yeah, this this beach shot where they're doing the they're calling the corners on yeah. the beach, and uh, they're walking out to the beach. And I'm pretty sure all the sequence was shot day for night. It's too blue not to be <laughs> because they're walking out to the beach and everything is so so blue, which happens when you try and shoot daytime and make it look like nighttime but i actually kind of really like it i think it's very um ethereal yes yeah it, it gives this weird like uneasy not uneasy but like yeah this weird sort of magical quality yeah. ethereal really is the word 
opalescence. It makes, yeah, like something, something is happening here. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate the aesthetics of all of their magic, like nature and magic time. Like that whole picnic setup where they're like making their wish together. I would do this. This is something I would, this is something way up my alley that like, where's my witchy friends that I can go sit in nature and watch butterflies with. Totally. Um, I mean, you. this movie would have also been really good if any of these, like, cause all of these girls are queer. Like, yeah, you know, got- in the real world, if these four girls are friends and they're doing witch shit, it's because they all gay. Yeah. Trust me, as a baby gay who was doing weird witch shit with my gay friends in the woods, they all gay. You have like your classic queer group with these. You've got your mentally unstable goth. You've got your sporty spice. <laughs> you've got your depressed baby and you've got the slutty one. <laughs> wow. Like this is my friend group. It's also all me in four separate categories. (laughs) This movie also makes me want a cigarette so fucking badly. There's so much smoking. And it's like, of course, it's like a a way to show corruption. Right. Right. Because at the beginning of the movie, only Nancy smokes. And then throughout the course of the movie, all the other girls, with the notable exception of our main character, start, start smoking. This is another, like, this is a tiny detail, and I probably, like, I don't even usually mention the stuff like this in my notes, because it's usually just for me, but this is a joke for someone. I promise you this is a joke for someone. When Nancy gets the new apartment, her, her stepdad dies, and they get all this money, and they get a new apartment, and um, they sh- her friends show up, and her mom is in this, like, crazy purple outfit, she looks like Future Trunks when he comes back in Dragon Ball Z to fight, I want to say, Majin Buu? <laughs> I'm not oh. looking that up, nerds. I'm sorry. Uh, he, she, she looks like Future Trunks. She's got the, like, purple half jacket and the, like, high jeans with the bit, with the belt. She looks, it's the future trunks. She's wearing the future trunks. That whole scene after Nancy and her mom get the life insurance from the dead shitty stepdad makes me just scream because none of that is sustainable and you're going to lose all that fucking money you just got. I know. Don't buy an apartment that you can afford for a month. Buy, you, for as much money as they got in, well, it's LA, so maybe you can't get a house, but... Right, hundred and seventy five thousand dollars in nineteen ninety six money is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. I mean, yeah, maybe you can't buy a house in L.A. for that, but like, I mean, you you could buy three houses where I'm from in nineteen ninety six for that. You can get a nice apartment and yeah, you could get you could own a condo outright right. that you you never have to make payments on and like. I know that this is just because it's her mom's character and she's one dimensional and because she's a side character and will never have a real life. But like you have Nancy, who is very independent, who is very like on top of her own shit, who is making reckless decisions and making these choices that I don't feel like her character would have 
Although she does seem to be going into a manic period, so who knows? Yeah. Nancy speaks to my bipolar a lot. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of, of bipolar energy in this movie. I feel oh, that boy. very strongly. Yeah, the manic laughing really. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, boy. So, do you want to talk about the car scene with Chris? The, the song with the, the, the scene with the Portishead song? I... We do not have to. I my, my only thoughts on this are stop using it as a plot device. There is never a need for you use sexual assault as a plot device. Never. Done. That's that's yeah. I feel like I feel like we said our piece on that. Yeah. Can I talk about how I'm a sucker for new girls in school tropes cuz I am. Yeah. Um I don't know why I am I mean, I do a little. I changed schools a few times throughout my years, but like not enough to like really count as a kid who didn't go to who went to many schools. But I think new girl tropes really fed into my flight response to make things better because when you're the new kid, you get to one reinvent yourself, which was always cool. But two, movies like this is like someone swoops in and like explains everything to you. Right. And like new boys notice you, which teenage Micah was obsessed with. Um, or you have new friends and friends that will actually maybe stick this time or like actually right. understand you this time. Yeah, as a as a person who yeah, had to transfer schools like I really could use like a nerdy sidekick who would explain everything to me and tell me what groups sit at which tables. Right. I don't that does that, that guy the ha- guy does not come. That guy does not exist. It is I really want a movie about teen, high school that shows how fucking isolating it is because do, do would anyone watch that movie i think if you did it right i think you could like what i'm what my what my theory presupposes is that movie would be so uncomfortable and disconcerting to sit through that people would walk out yeah but that was high school it wasn't this romanticized <laughs> bullshit of everyone swoops it like you have best yeah, friends you have totally. but like that was high school was like at least in my experience was this isolating discomfort of bad decisions and long nights right and right. i think that the romanticizing of teenagehood one harms people in high school because they think this is what you're supposed to be in setting unreasonable standards and two Makes people think they want to go back to high school and never get over it. Yeah. And you don't. You don't no, want to go back to high school. You don't. You want to be in a movie. That's okay. We all want to be in movies. Movies are great. That's why we make a movie podcast. I think also, like, this movie does this a lot, and I feel like a lot of movies do this, where, like, the friend group is is the main character. Yeah. Like, the friend group does everything together. And they're basically never alone, and they challenge, they tackle all their problems together. I also feel like that is not helpful. No. Like, I am a person who's always struggled to make friends, and, like, having this reminder that, like, all of my peers are having a super easy time with it, and, like, the, you know, they're, they're socializing all the time, and it's not a challenge for them, is not maybe super helpful. But again, like... It sucks to show 
a kid in a movie just like sitting alone in their room playing World of Warcraft or whatever. Yeah. Movies like this definitely made me feel like I was failing at something. I didn't know what it was, but I wasn't having as easy of a time as I was supposed to. Yeah. I mean, I think that, yeah. I mean, given I have... That's going to be a refrain of this podcast. absolutely. I think. And I think there were definitely, like, unique parts of my childhood that did other me, but... Yeah. I had a small group of friends when I got to high school finally and, like, had a decent, like, time at it, but there was still something missing, and I think because your and this is like the whole theme of the podcast and why we're doing this because you have only this media to tell you how you're experiencing life or how you should be experiencing life. It's impossible not to compare. It's impossible. And you don't have media literacy when you're 16. Right. Unless you have amazing parents. Also because we don't teach media literacy in school really. Well, we don't really teach anything in school except to sit down and shut up. Anyway, I don't have feelings about this. We can go on that tangent if you want to go on that tangent. We will have so much time for me to go on tangents about the fucking school system in this podcast. We do not have to get into it today. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think this movie did a really good job of like pulling that out for me because I this was my ideal group of friends. This was my ideal situation. This was my like everything I strived for. And with the main character, I really related to and I am kind of glad I missed it as a teenager because I think it would have done, could have done some damage. But I also think it could have done some really good things for me. And especially showing me that you can find control in the chaos and you can find your power through all of it. 